Hey everyone, Pastor Scott from the Windmill Campus of Good Samaritan Lutheran Church in Las Vegas. And this is Pastor Jason from Good Samaritan at the Lakes. And we want to welcome you to our podcast, Good News from Good Sam. This is where we get to go deeper into the word we heard in worship this weekend, so you can go deeper into hearing God's love and grace for you in Jesus Christ. And we'd love to invite you to share the link, if you will, with any friends or family members. You can also go visit our website, goodsamlv.com, for more information. Connect with us on Facebook and YouTube. Leave your comments and questions, and we will look forward to addressing those along the way. And now, without further delay, how about this week's podcast? Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Good News at Noon Wednesday. Deeper as we talk about our message. It's actually going to be the message from the Lakes campus today. Pastor Jason is on the planning team for the... Um, ELCA Youth Gathering? U- ELCA Youth Gathering, which is a yeah. big deal, about 20,000 kids. Um, hold on one second. My wife is calling, so I'm going to turn it over to Tommy for just a second. <laughs> no problem. So if you didn't get a chance to watch the lakes, um, yeah. Mark Williams shared his testimony over there. And if you are familiar with the people and the folks that are uh, regular attenders at the lakes, Mark Williams is very... Um, integral in the operation over there he does a lot of the oh my gosh he's everywhere he's part of the worship planning team he does runs pretty much runs the graphics or the runs the visuals just about every sunday yeah he's he's very very uh and he's gone through some of the there's this class called and i forget the name of it where the pastors teach it and he's done this class so he is He's really... Is it diaconia? Diaconia, thank oh, okay. you, which is kind of a, a training course for people that want to get a little bit more uh, little bit more theological training but don't want to go to seminary. So he's, yeah, he's all over it. He's been doing great. Yes, and we have Donna with us and Catherine in Germany and Dave and Jan and Karen. So Oh, my word. Hello to all of you. Welcome, guys. Great to see you guys. So a couple of things. Uh, if you did not get a chance to watch the Lakes message... I found some statistics. I forget who sent them to me. I think it might have been Ann Killeran, but don't quote me on that. About some statistics from the year 1922, which I always think is interesting. Sometimes I like to start with humor, some, and, or sometimes just some interesting factoids. So think about it. Only 100 years ago. What is that? Is that three generations? Is each generation about 30 years? Yeah, my great-grandmother was born in 1922. Your great-grandmother was yeah. born in 1922. Okay, so it would have been her generation. The average life expectancy for a man, this is in the United States. I realize life expectancies vary all over the world. The United States has one of the higher, although ours is going down while other countries is going up, which is kind of scary to think about. <laughs> but uh, the average life expectancy today is 77 years old. Guess what it was in 1922? 47. 30 years difference, just in 100 years. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy because forty-seven sounds super young. Oh, that's like I did. I know that's eight you're years, older than forty-seven. Eight, eight years younger than I am. <laughs> that was the average life. So if you were my age, you were considered old. Yeah. You were considered a senior senior back in nineteen twenty-two. That is crazy because I don't feel old. Um, this is so amazing to me. So I I, I should have looked this up. The average U.S. wage today, um, and I'm just going from articles I read but long time ago so this is rough okay the average US workers wage I want to say is in the 35 to 40 range an hour 
35000 to $40,000 oh, okay. a year. Yeah. And I don't know what that breaks down to an hour. Probably 20 bucks an hour? I would probably think that average is lower, but I, I, I could be wrong. Average, average, average wage. The average wage uh, for the worker was 22 cents oh my gosh. an hour. They, the average U.S. worker made between $200 and $400 a year. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Wow. A mechanical engineer earned $5,000 a year. A uh, dentist about $2,500. Wow. Just look at how much wages have changed. Most doctors, 90% of all doctors, had no college education. They attended so-called medical schools, many of which were condemned in the press and the government. And this is eggs, you know, because there's this big thing with eggs now. And what are eggs, what are eggs going for now? Like $5 a dozen? Oh, I think it's more like eight, isn't it? Is it really? I, I haven't bought eggs in a while. Uh, last few times my wife's done shopping, so I, I'm not. Eggs were 14 cents a dozen, about a penny an egg. That's unbelievable. This is interesting to me. The Las Vegas population in 1922, for those of you, any of you that are familiar with Las Vegas, 30. So you said that on Sunday. Is that how is that true? It's on the internet. It must be true. <laughs> Thirty people. That's it. Well, I think Las Vegas was actually wasn't even a town really. Then it was, was probably just a little settlement. And do you know where Las Vegas started? Down on Cashman, like Springs Springs Reserve, where Springs oh, Preserve, yeah. where the 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 well the Springs Preserve is. Yeah. Now. That was one of the, that was like the original settlement in Las Vegas. Oh, I thought it was because it was water because it was natural. It had oh. natural springs. Oh, and then, and it was on a um, a railroad line there too. Right, the railroad ran right through where Springs Preserve now is. Yeah, okay, yeah. Started. So anyway, none of this has to do anything with God and spirituality. <laughs> Just very very interesting. And this was uh, you should probably have been praying yeah. really hard if you wanted to live <laughs> oh, to be forty seven in nineteen twenty two. So. <laughs> this is this one blows me away. Only 6% of all Americans graduated from high school. I was talking with my wife about that. And I was like, so everybody either worked on the farm or in the factories. Mm -hmm. Very few people were educated. That's just 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. And now I think the graduation rate in America is like in the 70% power range. So. Good old days weren't always good. And tomorrow isn't as bad as it seems. So just enjoy living in a time when things are so much better than they were even just a mere 100 years ago. And so that, but you know one thing that has not changed in a hundred years, and that is God mm -hmm. and God's grace. That has been the same uh, for 2,000 years. Uh, it's probably longer than that. But the teaching of God's grace has been the same since Christ died on the cross and came back and broke the bonds of sin and death and reminded us that we are a beloved, forgiven people of God, regardless of our behavior mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's what we want to spend a little bit of time talking to you about so let's just go ahead and start with a word of prayer let's pray Lord once again we are just really thankful for this opportunity to come together uh, even on an online community and learn a little bit more about you thank you for the time that we live in I know sometimes we feel like it's really tough but sometimes if we put it in perspective we realize that maybe these times that we're living in aren't quite as bad sometimes as they seem and so we just thank you for all the blessings we have materially medically uh, and so forth, but also, most of all, for the blessing of your grace in our lives. Bless our time together. Amen. Amen. All right. So, Tommy, you always listen to both, and you listen to them several times so that you have yes. absolutely memorized the mm -hmm. messages. Um, what did you think of Mark's testimony? Well, it's funny, because when he first started, I was like, well, where's the testimony? 
You know what I mean? Because he was kind of just giving the history of his, of like being raised a Lutheran, and then it came in and out, and mm -hmm. it was. I thought he did such a good job of how he tied it in together. He did. You know, um, really talking about, um, and I took notes, but I left them in the room. But, <laughs> but uh, something about you know we we aren't um, worthy of, of salvation. Like basically, we're not worthy of what God is giving us in in right. his salvation and. And, but but it's a gift, you know, it's truly a gift through his grace. And, and um, you know, when he talked about his wife and stuff too, I just couldn't imagine having to walk through that and just sounded like the two of them and, and their, um, their, the roots of their faith really helps them both yes. go through that experience. And, and yeah. it was really inspiring. Yeah, she died. You know, it's very interesting. Um, I've been around a lot of people at the end of their life. And... Uh, there's a, a quote from Max Lucado, which I, I think is really true. Most people die like they have lived. You know, there's this idea that uh, in some people's minds, well, I'll just not be a believer. And then at the very end, I'll kind of get it all together and I'll figure it out and I'll, I'll believe right when I know. But I, if you've lived a selfish, self-centered life, you tend to die selfishly, self-centered and usually scared. If you've lived a generous life, kind, connected to God, you tend to die with peace and dignity mm. and surrounded by loved ones. It, this whole waiting till the end to kind of change things, uh, at least in my experience, I've only had 30 years of ministry, so I'm not that experienced, but uh, I've seen, I've been with a lot of people at the end of their lives, and uh, it's very true. You tend, people tend to die like they have lived. Mm -hmm. um, That's interesting. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. And, uh, Sounds like that was the case with Mark's wife. She died with a great deal of dignity and a great deal of peace, very confident in where she was going to go. Mm -hmm. My mom uh, was a very loving, kind person. I brought this up in my message a little bit, um, but wasn't much of a woman of faith, tended to rely on her own. She's a pretty strong person and had done a lot in her life, was very successful, especially considering kind of the situation she came out of. And, um, but kind of lived her life mainly for herself. She was a decent mom and all that, but, uh, and uh, she died at the end a little bit afraid mm. and um, just ready to go. It's funny, both Mark's wife and my mom used the same phrase. At one point I told the story about we're sitting around in the room and my mom is very sick at this end. She's got cancer, but my brother's a nurse, an RN, and so she was able to stay at home because my brother and his his girlfriend, who is also a, a, an RN, in fact, a, she is a ICU nurse, mm. were able to kind of give my parents, both of them kind of died in similar situations, give them the care that they needed to stay at home. And she's not having a good day. It's kind of getting towards the end. And my dad's sitting there with her holding her hand, and he can tell that she's having a, a tough day. She's in some pain. And he kind of, we're all sitting around in the living room just kind of hanging out, watching some TV. And he asks her, so how you doing, sweetie? And she goes, I'm dying, damn it, and I'd like to get on with it. Mm. And uh, it's funny because Mark's wife said the same thing. She said, I'd like to get on with it at the end of her life. But she meant, I'd like to get on with it because she was looking forward to heaven. Mm -hmm. And my mom meant she'd like to get on with it because she's tired of suffering and hurting. And at the, I just thought that the juxtaposition of that exact same phrase in those two different situations um, was a really good example of somebody who had lived in God's grace their whole lives. And somebody who had a struggle experiencing God's grace in their life. So I have a question for you, since I know that 
like that's probably more of an unfortunate role that you play as a pastor, but you do end up around a lot of families at the time of like a loved one passing. Mm -hmm. Do you notice a difference on the family that's there based on the, the person who's passing's faith? Oh, absolutely. Uh, in other words, people of faith tend to be in families of faith. Not always the case, but more often than not. And when that person dies with peace, and, and a sense of anticipation and really kind of excitement like Mark's wife did of what's next, you see that that comes out of that, that reservoir, that well of faith, if you will. Um, Do you think it like pours into those surviving family uh, members? Is it, is it something that spills over? Yeah, like do you think it makes almost like, not that grieving is easy because it's still hard to say bye to those people that you love, but when you see someone that is dying, ready to go, ready and, and to comfortable go, and with comfortable, it. And, mm -hmm. and and have a strong faith foundation. It doesn't give. Do you do you think it's given them a more piece of saying bye yes. versus like seeing someone kind of go out miserably? Yes, it absolutely, absolutely does. Uh, and and it, it's both and it's 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 an overlap both ways. The peace comes out of the person passing. Now, when I say they are peaceful, let's not pretend that somebody dying is peaceful all the time. Right. They have their tears, they have their moments of doubt, they have their moments of distress. Anybody, even the most faithful of people, have those things. But they are temporary, and they're usually moved through. Uh, whereas people, once again, not always, some people that don't have any faith die with elements and times of peace in their lives. But in general, people that don't have that faith tend to die nervously, uh, they cling a little bit more to life. Um, they tend to have a little bit more fear. Or like at the end, in my mom's case, they just want it to be over. Mm -hmm. Just for the sake of it being over. And they really don't think about the people around them. Mm -hmm. They think about themselves. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, the people of faith tend to also think about the people around them. Because that's what grace does. Grace gives you a heart that's a little bit more compassionate, caring, and kind. Um, and what I meant is it spills out of the person who's dying, but it also spills out of the people who are around them mm -hmm. because they tend to be people of faith as well. It, it usually is more of a family affair, not always, but a family affair. And that faith spills into the person. Mm -hmm. So when that person has those moments of, of oh my gosh, I really don't want to die, or I'm, I'm afraid, there's usually some a loved one around them or a pastor or something that can kind of just give them that calm assurance and that reminder mm -hmm. of what they already know, but for that moment they've forgotten or they're... They're, they've pushed aside and the fear is to step forward. So it's both and. It spills out of them, but it spills back into them as well. It just speaks to the power of, of faith and, and, and grace all together, really, really, which I, I know Mark was really kind of getting to with his testimony. Yeah, and that, you know, and he said that. He said that he's been a Lutheran his whole life. What a great testimony. He's like, I didn't have this awakening moment, which is very different from Justin, who was I was working with last week, where he kind of, he also grew up in the faith, but it wasn't really a part of his life until it was, right? And for Mark, it always was just a really consistent, steady part of his life. He had a few ups and downs, but it's been kind of a steady build for him his whole life. And so, uh, you know, he says there's three absolutes. And he says, I don't believe in absolutes. Um, but what did he say? Mark, uh, Mark Wickstrom, Pastor Mark Wickstrom, who is the interim pastor over there, who we need to be praying for, by the way, because he's also struggling with his health issues uh, right now. Um, says, what did he call them? Not absolute truths, but great truths or something like that. And he says the three ones. He goes, I am entirely unworthy of salvation. Mm -hmm. 
right? And I can't do anything myself to change that. But then, second truth is I received that salvation freely as a gift of a loving God, a gift for all people. And it's, it's called grace. That's what that free gift of love, free gift of salvation is. Grace. That's you ever we hear we throw around the term a lot in the church. In the Lutheran church. In the Lutheran church. Grace. <laughs> people are like, Grace, Grace, what's that? Is that something you do before a meal? What is it? What is grace? It is God's free gift of love and salvation. Right? You don't have to earn it, you just get it. Um, how great is that? A little bit like a Christmas present for a naughty child. I remember when Lauren started coming to church with me because he was formerly uh, attending a Catholic church. And like, probably like six or eight months, and he's like, man, Lutherans really love talking about grace. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it was just in comparison to what he grew up in. Like, it was not something that was really talked about a you lot. You said he was Catholic? Yeah. So they like to talk about sin and judgment a lot? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that is funny. You know, sometimes I think Lutherans go a little bit too far with the grace, like where that we allow a little bit of a permissive attitude, like hey, everything, it doesn't matter what you do, it's okay, God will forgive you. It does matter what you do. Yeah. And yes, God will forgive you, but it still matters what you do. As Justin pointed out in his testimony two weeks ago, there are consequences mm -hmm. for selfish living and bad choices. Prison, distress, sadness, all of that, right? Uh, it's not like you can just do whatever you want and God forgives you because if you truly, genuinely ask God to forgive you, he does. But here's the thing, if you live a selfish life and you give a half-hearted, oh, please forgive me, but you don't really mean it, is, it, is that truly asking for forgiveness? I leave that question to you guys. Well, and Donna said it was the timeless truths. Timeless, thank you, Donna. Yes. Timeless truths from Pastor Mark Wickstrom. <laughs> and Mark was a great pastor. Um, yeah, timeless truths. So I'm unworthy of salvation, but I received that salvation freely as a gift of a loving God. And then finally, and I love this one because we don't talk about this often, Mark talked about that the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us to believe that God's Son died on the cross for our sins. And as soon as we accept that, and it's, it's interesting because people say, well, you say that it's all up to God, but I'm the one who believes or not believes, so it's really up to me because I'm the one believing or not. But if you look at the Scriptures... It'll tell us that the Holy Spirit is the one that even gives us this ability to believe. John 16, Jesus writes these words, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will, listen, I will send the Spirit. Jesus says, I'm sending the Spirit to you, and the Spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness. So it's even the Spirit that reminds us that we're sinful and reminds us that we are righteous through Christ. So uh, it kind of that's how you deal with that kind of that argument that says, well, I'm the one that's believing, so aren't I doing the work? Well, it's the spirit inside of you that's even making it possible for you to do that to begin with. Well, and Mark said something too about believing. He's like, it's more than just believing, it's it's trusting. Mm. Kind of he I, he kind of emphasized that in his testimony too. He did. Um, because I think that was an important indication that he made. You know, it's like really trusting, not just like, oh, I believe it. It's, you know, you yeah. have to trust it. Yeah, absolutely. So I know we're going to have, I just saw that note from Donna, Timeless Truths. Donna, you're giving your testimony, I think, in three weeks. She's going to be with Pastor Scott, if I believe that. And it looks like Glenna's with us as well. Mm -hmm. Hello, Glenna. Great to have you join us. Well, and, and when you first asked me about, um, Mark's testimony and I was kind of saying like well where's the testimony and I wanted to circle back to that because 
I think when you haven't had this big, impactful, life-changing event, you know, like we heard in, in, in maybe Justin's testimony, you mm -hmm. think you don't have it. You don't have a, a big story to tell mm -hmm. or a testimony. And I think Mark um, really proved that you, you can still, even if you've, you know, grown up in the church and you haven't had this big, major life altering yeah. moment you weren't addicted to, to drugs God. you weren't in yeah. jail yeah i get that mm -hmm. uh, um mm -hmm. you know uh, i think it was really refreshing to hear because it, it really reminds reminds me because i grew up in the church too and you know i'm like oh well i guess i do have a testimony myself because of you know having the uh sorry i got distracted mm -hmm. i have a testimony myself even though i i don't have this you know i didn't come from you know the bottom to hit rock bottom to get there or whatever. Right, right. Sometimes you don't have to hit rock bottom to have a testimony. Sometimes your testimony can just be how God has seen you through. We all have difficult times. I mean, Mark talked about losing his wife. Mm -hmm. He talked about the one church that treated him poorly mm -hmm. when they were struggling on whether or not to stay there. And then when they decided to leave, the church kind of preempted it and, and, and kind of kicked them out with this really bad attitude. Mm -hmm. And churches. The Christian church is not struggling in the United States because we've done such a great job of sharing God's love with people. The Christian church is struggling in the United States because it is filled with very sinful people. We're all fit in that category. And sometimes those sinful people say really dumb, mean, selfish things to other people. And they look at that and they go, why would I want to be a part of an organization like that? Which makes me sad. Because I've done it. I've, there's people no longer go to Good Samaritan because of things I've said to them or conflicts I've gotten into with them. Um, we didn't see eye to eye. And I didn't handle myself very well. Now, I've been here for what? My daughter's 21. for 19 years. So in 19 years, I'm giving myself a little bit of, um, a little bit of leash to say that uh, a hot-tempered, uh, strong-willed person such as myself is probably going to not always say the right thing. And not that many people have left the church. But... I have said things to people that have driven them out of Good Samaritan. Um, so the church is full of human people, so that's why the church is imperfect. But that's something we should strive for, is to be a more graceful institution, because that is what's going to bring more people back uh, into having an open heart to a relationship with God's grace. Yeah, I'm not sure grace is um, turning people away from church. Grace is not turning people <laughs> away from church. People are turning yeah. people away from church. Yes, yeah. If we were the per, you know, if we were, if we were organizations that were just full of love and grace and kindness and 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 really the fruits of the spirit, uh, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't have a problem with our churches being half half full, right? <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons I love Good Samaritan, and I think Good Samaritan is really a healthy church, is because the people here, yeah. the people here are just, they're imperfect, but they really, for the most part, are very grace filled and. And really are pretty good at showing grace to other people. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of judgment, um, not a lot of meanness, uh, and pretty open. Every group gets a little clicky when you you know, but for the most part, people are pretty welcoming and open mm -hmm. and so forth. Yeah. 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 So, if you're, we're glad that you're a part of this uh, community, and we hope that you will continue to be like that as well. Because if we receive that grace from God, it's something that we should also probably strive to give to other people. Mm -hmm. I found Mark to be that way. Yep. Mark's a very grace-filled person. Yes. He really is. All right. So, I don't have much else for you. I am going to probably leave you with maybe one of my favorite scriptures in all of the New Testament. 
is from Romans 3. This is the text that, one of the texts that Martin Luther kept coming back to when he, well, first of all, when he became a priest, he couldn't necessarily read the Bible. It's so amazing to me that back in those days, in the 15 to 1600s, some of the people that were telling people about the Bible couldn't necessarily read it. So he learned Latin, he learned how to read it, and then he realized that some of the stuff that he'd been getting from his superiors, he's reading the Bible, and he's like, that's not what they've been telling me. Right? They, they're talking about indulgences and have earning God's love. And then he reads a text like this in Roman that says, No one is righteous, not even one. For everyone has sinned and falls short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God in his grace freely, there's that free gift, freely makes us, gift, makes us right, righteous, right? Makes us right in his sight. And how did he do that? Paul goes under, right? He did this through Jesus Christ. When he freed us from the penalty for our sins. How did he free us from the penalty for our sins? When he sacrificed his life for us. Right? By shedding his blood. There it is. We are made right with God. By the free gift of Jesus Christ. Who sacrificed his life, shed his blood. So that even though none of us are righteous. None of us. Not even one. We are made righteous through Christ. And Martin Luther saw that and he said, more people need to hear about this. So, hence, the Reformation was born. <laughs> I right. will say, um, Mandy hopped on, but also Dave and Jen said that you are a wonderful pastor. Oh, they are two people I have not driven away because they've been with me from the, almost from the very beginning. <laughs> so, thank you. Yes, I love you guys too. And, uh, I, I, I'm not, I don't say that to, like, make myself, like, to say I'm a bad pastor or anything. I just say that to show that everybody makes mistakes, and sometimes we make big ones, and sometimes we make little ones, but that's what God's grace is for. Well, and I think it's refreshing to hear a pastor admit to their mistakes, because I think sometimes we um, inherently put, like, a pastor higher on a pedestal, like, they are better than right. the rest of us or, you know, more holy or whatever. Right. So I think it's really refreshing to hear, like, honesty like that to say, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect and I've made these mistakes too and frankly driven people away from the church. And um, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, you've worked with me long enough now. I know, I think my pedestal is long, long gone. Yeah, with you. I know the truth. Not everyone knows. <laughs> not everyone knows. <laughs> Oh, you know, and this kind of leads me, I guess this is one of my early points, and I love this part. Remember that when you look at other people. Mm -hmm. If you catch a really good person on their worst day, you're going to think they're a really bad person. If you catch a really bad person on their best day, you might think they're wonderful. Um, we are a mix, most of us, very few people are on the extremes, really, really, really bad or really, really good. Most people are somewhere in the middle. It's when, it's, the moments you catch them if you don't know them very well. I think that's why a lot of people are married and stay married to somebody when they make mistakes because they know that the mistakes don't define them um, and they see the bigger picture. But just remember that in your casual interactions with people, that if you catch somebody and you're, you're thinking, man, that person's a jerk, maybe they're just being a jerk in that moment. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're actually a pretty good person. You never know. So. Sure. Take that with you as you leave today, my friends. And just again, thank you for joining us for Deeper as we spend a little bit more time 
looking at the message. And if you haven't watched it yet, you should go take a look at Mark's testimony. It's really wonderful. It really was good. Right. God bless everyone. Have we'll a great see day. You now. Bye-bye now. Pastor Scott here again. Thanks, everyone, for listening to our podcast today. If you think somebody you know or love would benefit from hearing today's podcast, we'd invite you to go ahead and share that with them. It's always great to go deeper into God's Word. Thanks for being with us, and we implore you, go love God, love people, make a difference.